You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. Praise God. God is good. I'm only going to give you a half an hour, I think. But I'm going to try not to hold you. But I've got to start this series sometime. So it might as well be today. And this is good. This is um, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, in, in one sense of the word, we had a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit today. Amen? We felt the spirit of love. felt the spirit of joy. Fruit of joy. Fruit of peace. Amen? Praise God. Now, God's spirit, you know, you have all spirit and no word. What happens? You dry up. I mean, you, you blow up. You have all word and no spirit, you dry up. You get it together and you blow up. <laughs> In the power of the Holy Spirit, can you say amen? Praise God. All right, you turn to Galatians. Hallelujah. Do you have a word? You took the words right out of my mouth. Oh. <laughs> I've, been, I've been preaching on that in adult Bible Sunday school for the last three months. Good. <laughs> Thank you. That's an encouragement. Because I've been wondering, I've been really wondering about this. After all that's going on, I probably should, I'm thinking I should be speaking something that's going to, but then God said, okay, let's just slow down and have the word. Amen. Praise God. Because we need the word. Amen. Now, not to negate what we had today. I want more of it. I want the time that we come that not one of us will be standing, will be prostrate under the fire. I've seen it. Prostrate under the power of God. And uh, I believe it's coming. And Galatians, 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 Galatians 5, 19 and 29. Um, <clears throat> Paul's, this passage of Paul on the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians that I just said is like, it's like choice fruit. And you've seen it up there. Doesn't that apple look good? Amen. I'd like to bite right into that right now. Doesn't that look good? That looks inviting, doesn't it? Ooh. Amen. What kind of apple is that? Is that delicious? All right. Get your mind off of that and on to me. <laughs> and... Um, See, we, we may not uh, only, you know, admire the fruit or admire the apple, but we should also eat it and benefit from it. We can stand there and look at that apple all we want to because we know it's just on screen. But we can stand there and look at the apple all we want to, but if we don't bite into it and enjoy its juices and its joyous nourishment, it's not going to do us a bit of good. Can you say amen? And uh, uh, Jesus Christ first reveals himself to the believer with 
which results in regeneration. So the first, the first revelation you get of Jesus Christ as a person is that he's your savior, that he died on the cross and he's come to save you. But that, there's more. See, a lot of people stop there. There's more to it than getting saved. And that's wonderful. Being saved. But if you're saved and that's all, it's not so great. Because once you're saved, you know, you need to progress. You need to go on. You know, just to be born is not going to help you. And then everybody just, oh, well, he's born. You know, he's just come out of his mom's womb or she come out of his mom. Ah, he's, she'll be, he's, he or she'll be all right. And everybody walks off and leaves, including the mom and dad, and just leaves the baby there in the hospital or else leaves it at home. Say, oh, she, they'll, 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 you know, they're born. They've been born. Isn't that wonderful? But that baby needs nourishment. And that baby needs attention. So the first thing, it's the first thing, okay, that we see of Jesus Christ, okay, is that he saved you. He, the cross, you can't get around the cross, okay? The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for your salvation. Now, that's regeneration. That, that's the process of regeneration. Repenting, being baptized, being filled with the Holy Ghost, being sanctified. All of that is part of your salvation. Even healing and everything else is all part of your salvation, okay? You don't stop at the beginning. But you press on. So, so when he reveals himself to you as a savior, okay, that's regeneration. Then, then once you're born, he begins to nourish you and produce the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of just what happened to you. See, you're saved by the power of God, saved through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was given, okay, that was the price. The blood was the redemptive price. God said, I mean, the devil said to God, you want these people back? You're going to buy it. God said, you're on. I'll accept the challenge. So what did he do? He came himself. In Jesus Christ, incarnated this body, they called him Jesus, which means Jehovah's become my salvation. And what? And redeemed us. So the blood is the redemptive price. What's in the blood? The life is in the blood. That's why he went to the cross. Jesus gave his life. Not necessarily just his body, but he shed his blood. God had to do it that way. God, the devil said, life for life. God said, you're on. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's exactly what he said. He accepted the challenge. And so, in Genesis 3.15, he came to Adam and Eve, and he told them that the seed of woman, okay, the serpent is going to bruise, bruise the heel of the, um, the, 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 the that's it. Good. Thank you. Maybe I should get someone else up here and preach this. Amen. Should uh, heal the... Yes, that would be a good idea. Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, uh -huh. between your seed and her seed. Okay. He shall bruise your head, and he shall bruise oh. his heel. Okay. 
I forgot the mic. Read it again. We'll get this message started here in a minute. And I will put enmity between you now, and the... Now, let me stop right here. That's why, just like I said, that's why Jesus... Well, everybody knows I do this. That's why Jesus, okay? I mean, that's why God came to Adam and Eve and said, Eve, your seed, the seed from you, okay, is going to, or from the woman, or from the woman, is going to uh, be be bruised. The heel is going to be bruised. going to bruise the seed of the woman. Jesus Christ, okay, was crucified. He, was, he spoke to, to about the heel, and that's speaking about walking. So Jesus was not able to walk for, for the course of three, 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 three days. He was in the tomb. He didn't walk physically on the earth. So, so that, that's why God came. Because God said, I'm going to take Satan up on his word. He's going to bruise, and he's going to bruise humanity. He is going to uh, 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 try to destroy him. But then he goes on to say, I'm going to bruise the heel, all right? And I'm going to bruise the one. And so, go ahead. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Okay. He's going to bruise, Satan's going to bruise your head. In other words, the devil, Jesus is going to bruise the head of Satan. What that's talking about is taking Satan's authority. The devil surely thought when he deceived Eve, that he had it made. That's why right at the beginning, when Adam and Eve felt their worst, you know, sometimes when God, when we feel our worst, is that's when Jesus comes and gives us a, a prophetic or a, a rhema. When we feel that we have flubbed it all up, we've messed it all up, Jesus comes right when we're feeling the worst. Now, can you imagine Adam and Eve Especially Eve, when God looked at her in pain, and you know, a lot of times we, and you've heard me say this again, but I want to remind you, we think that God looked at her and says, Eve, what have you done? Why do we always think God is the big, gruff, mean, God looked at her in pain. You know, God feels too, and said, Eve, what have you done? What have you done? So can you imagine Eve standing there when God comes and begins pronounces the curses and Eve is standing there, how bad she feels? She just blew it. She blew the whole plan of God. That's what she felt. God had plans for humanity to rule and reign with him and she just blew it. And God says, Right then, he declared the promise. He told Satan, you think you've got control, but I'll take you on your, on your plea bargain. I'll, I'll bargain with you. Okay, you want life? I'll give you life. And he made that prophetic statement. The seed of the woman is going to bruise Satan's head. You know what that means? He's going to take away Satan's authority. I want you to know that when Jesus Christ 
was on that cross and the possibility of all the demons in hell or wherever they were, were all rejoicing, they didn't realize the impact of what was taking place on that cross. The blood of Jesus Christ was flowing out of his body, from his head, from his ears, from his mouth, from his chest, from his back. I mean, life was being generated while the sacrifice was being taken and being given. And then, not with a whimpering voice, because if you study that out, I think it's in John, you'll find that said he, he said a, a shouted, he shouted, and then he gave up the spirit, or he died. And what he shouted, if you'll look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, if you look at that moment that when it says he shouted, I think it's in John, the other three gospels says he proclaimed it's finished. And bowed his head and died. And when he shouted, and when he said it, he didn't say, it's finished. He said, it is finished. And every demonic spirit felt it. It penetrated them. They realized, because the Bible said, had they known, had the princes of the earth had known that in crucifying Christ, what they had done, they wouldn't have crucified him. And when they realized Jesus hanging on the cross, even before the resurrection, destroyed the kingdom of Satan. And he put a climax on it when he rose from the dead. I mean, it's curtains for Satan. He can fight all he wants to. He can attack you all he wants to. But I'm going to tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ has given us the promise of victory and hope. This is the first thing. The revelation. We need a revelation of who Jesus is. You see, we look at him again as just a Savior. He's not just a Savior. He fulfilled every name in the Old Testament. Every name, everything that God has called in the Old Testament. He's our peace. He's our, uh, someone give me some names right quickly. Pardon? Provider. Yes. Jesus fulfilled all of that. And came forth from the grave. And brought forth with him regeneration. Do you know what regeneration when Adam and Eve sinned, death became prominent. The soul of man died spiritually. And there was exactly no hope. But when Jesus cried, it is finished. Every characteristic of God came into vogue, came into being, and came into reality. Can you say amen? amen? The provider, the healer. He is going to take care of us. This is called regeneration. Because death pale had been all over all the earth. And when Jesus came forth from the tomb, he said, all power 
that is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go tell it. Go tell it. But they don't stop there. He didn't just bring life. He just didn't bring victory over sin. He didn't just bring uh, uh, and captured and, and caused Satan's uh, uh, leadership and, and his, his uh, authority to diminish and die. He raised up a people. That's why Jesus commanded them to go to Jerusalem. Don't you bypass. So many people, even in the Pentecostal churches, are bypassing Jerusalem. They're ashamed. Many of us are ashamed of Pentecost. We can't be. We've got to just let it go and let God do what he wants to because this is the answer. Don't you leave Jerusalem. He said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power, clothed upon with power on high. Now, when you and I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive, the, we receive in us the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, and that's where the fruits of the Spirit come in. He manifests. Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are manifested in the believer. We take on Jesus Christ when we are filled with His Spirit. Can you say amen? So, the fruit of the Spirit is a description of the character of Jesus Christ in us. What we're going to study is we're, we're studying the character of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is. And Jesus, it's the character of Jesus in us. Because when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive the fullness of God in you. It unites with your spirit. It infuses your spirit because when Adam and Eve died, the spirit of the Lord lifted from Adam and Eve. And they were dead. Remember what God said to them? He said, the moment you eat or disobey, you'll die. God lied, the devil lied, said, you're not going to surely die. And well, he didn't really lie. He was telling the truth. He didn't, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. Because the moment they, 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 they disobeyed God, fear came. And, they, and that's why, you know what? That's why God had to kick them out of Garden of Eden. Because if they had eaten of the tree of life, they would have been condemned forever to live in the state of unredemption. They would have, can you imagine? They would have been, they would have been condemned to live forever. They would, they, they would have come passing on all of their, their, their sin and everything else to generation after generation. God had to kick them out. Can you imagine what it was going to be if Adam was still living today? And all that generation in Noah's time and then compounded with what we have now? My God, can you say amen? But God says, and then he says, don't you leave Jerusalem. Don't you leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And so the fruit of the Spirit, I'm saying it again, is a description of the character of Jesus Christ in us. His Spirit working, progressively working in us. God, the moment we give our hearts to Christ, we give our life to Jesus Christ, God begins to work in our lives. 
and begins to sanctify us. That means set us apart for whole use. He enables us to exchange our self-life for the Christ life, thereby sanctifying us or setting us apart for a holy work. And as the fruit abounds in the life of the spirit-filled believer, he is growing unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? It means he's becoming more and more like Jesus. So as we progress and as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, we become more and more like Jesus. That's where the fruit of the Spirit comes in. Can you say amen? All right. So let's read Galatians 5, 19 to 25. How much more time have I got? Okay, let's go to uh, 19th verse. Okay, the acts or works of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. That means wickedness and depravity. Verse 20, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions and factions, 21, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies as wild parties and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What we just read here is what's being manifested in our world today of unregenerate people. That's why they need to be saved. In one manner, what we see in Africa, Afghanistan is right here. But, I love 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everybody say love. love. Now repeat after me. Joy. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience. Patience. Kindness. Kindness. Goodness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Gentleness. And self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we are led by the Spirit, so in the 25th verse, I just want to say this. We will crucify our sinful desires as we are led by the Spirit of God. As we permit, that's why you and I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to give us power to fulfill the fruit of the Spirit that it may be manifested. Since you are, we are led by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's why we pray. That's why we get along with God. That's why we get into an intercession. That's why we praise. That's why we worship. That's why we get into the Bible in order to stay in step with God's Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We need it. We need the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. And as the power of the Holy Spirit manifests itself through us, we will begin to show the fruits of the Spirit and they uh, we'll begin to show them and it'll also become evident in our lives. We'll begin to love like He loves. We'll begin to have patience. Amen? And when we fail, we go back to God and He begins to help us. So the virtues are characterized by fruit, we've already said. These virtues in verses 22 and 23 are characterized by fruit in contrast to, to acts or works. In other words, you don't, your works 
okay, is not going to get you the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not going to do it. You know, let me tell you, a lot of philanthropists and a lot of people that do good works don't even, don't really love the people they give to. Some of the philanthropists wouldn't even take some of these beggars into their home. They'll give them food, but they don't like them. They won't, they won't, they won't, uh, 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 they, they don't care for them. Now, there are some. There are some. But by and large, I give money so I don't have to bother with them. And I hand money to the homeless to appease my conscience. Now, there are those that are, are, are giving, but a good majority that donate. And then they think by their good works, God's going to accept them. God will not accept our good works unless it's coming from the heart. Now, there are those that are giving and there are those that are, that are really loving and, uh, and, and would, would, would take some into their home, etc., etc. And we've got, we should do it. As Christians, we should do those things. But we should do it out of a heart of love and compassion. When Jesus looked on the crowd, he looked on them with compassion. He didn't look at their clothes. He didn't look at how they smelled. Zacchaeus, that climbed the tree, was a thief. He stole money. He was a, 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 a um, tax collector. And you know the reason why he wasn't mingling with the crowd? He was afraid of the crowd because he might run into someone he just gypped and shortchanged. But he had a desire to see Jesus. So he ran ahead, number one, being short. He ran ahead and climbed up a tree. And the tree that they showed us when I was in Israel wasn't too high. So he wasn't too high above the crowd. Just high enough so he could see Jesus. And covered by the leaves so the crowd couldn't see him. But Jesus saw him as he was coming down the street and the crowds were all around him. Jesus saw him. And he said, Zacchaeus, what are you doing up there? <laughs> Jesus uncovered him. He said, come on down here. And can you see what the crowd... <gasps> they was hoping that Jesus was going to... Give him a good trouncing. <laughs> Jesus had compassion on him, fruit of the Spirit, and said, I'm inviting myself for dinner today. What are you going to have? And can you see the crowd? <gasps> He's going to eat with a tax collector. He's actually going into his home. Jesus didn't even pay attention. Went in, and salvation came to the house. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Can you say amen? All right. So, only the Holy Spirit can produce this fruit. This is another reason why we are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've already heard me say that. The works of the flesh are plural. Now, now look, the works of the flesh are all separated and a plural. 
Okay, sinful nature, obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, blah, blah. But the fruit of the Spirit is one. And I'll begin to tell you in a minute. The fruit of the Spirit is one and indivisible and is a single-minded lifestyle. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And I want to hand these out to you so that you can follow me. I did have them. I hope I brought them. Well, I had them. Um, and where, 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 he was right here. Oh, there you are. Can you run in? You got, you've taken over my office anyway. So run in and see if you can find those, those papers. about it. They're, they're upside down and it shows an apple and all kind of pieces of it. Okay? So the fruit of the Spirit is one and indivisible. It is a single-minded lifestyle. It is the spirit of, uh, of love. The following graces are wrapped up in love. If you don't have love, you can't have the other graces. Joy is wrapped up in love. Peace is wrapped up in love. Long-suffering is wrapped up in love. Goodness is wrapped up in love. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control are all wrapped up in love. And they emanate from the Holy Spirit, the characteristic of Christ that's in you. And the closer you get to God, the more fruit is going to be displayed. Now, we're doing a wonderful thing on Wednesday night. We're learning how to have intercessory prayer. And by my statement, I am not knocking this. I am 100% behind what Foy is doing, 100%. I think it's wonderful. It's waking our church up. It's, it's tremendous what it's doing. But if all we're doing is coming to get used in the gifts, we have the wrong motive. If these gifts that we're stepping into and ministering to the people that we minister to and we don't have the fruit of the Spirit active in our lives, it's to no avail. I want to have the compassion. When I come up to someone and I take them by the hand and I begin to talk to them, I want the Holy Spirit, the, the, the compassion of the Holy Spirit to emanate from me into her or the person, and I want to feel, I want to empathize with her problem. Not just come and say, oh, the Lord said more, and go off and forget about you. And let me tell you something, saints. I'm teaching you right now. There's a lot of people, or there are those, that come to a church, prophesy, and do all kinds of things, walk out, take the check, and forget about you. They come to the big conferences, big names, and wouldn't come to a small church like this. I know I've tried to get some, and we would have paid them. But there are those that use, are used in the gifts of the Spirit, that have compassion, that have love. Don't run to all the prophets. 
Listen, don't run to all the prophets and to get a word. You can get a word from God yourself. Now, I believe, how many know that I believe in prophetic? Huh? Yeah. Uh, I, I know, I know there are people that come to us, and we need these people. We need true, honest to goodness. I remember Sister Jeffers was used in the ministry of prophecy. Powerful, powerful. But I'm telling you something. She had compassion. That woman had compassion. And she felt. There are others that have come. Okay? I didn't mean to get on this, but, but that's, what, it, that's what, what happens. So we need the fruit of the Spirit as we press in, okay, to the depth of the Spirit. We need to have the fruit of the Spirit active in our lives. And we need to activate the gifts of the Spirit through the fruit of the Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? How many understand what I'm saying? We don't just get up and just prophesy. I can come and give you a word and don't carry a hill of beans about what's going on with you. I'm emphasizing this because I want you to know. All right? And so Jesus stressed love. How many know that? Complete, pure love. Let's look at Mark 12, 28, 31. And I'll get into this and then we'll, we'll, we'll let you go home. Are you getting anything so far? Mark 12, 28 through 31. Then one of the scribes, okay, now what's a scribe? A scribe, okay, uh, is a group of Jewish leaders and they were originally clerks whose function was to copy royal and sacred manuscripts. Okay, and at the time of Christ, many of the scribes, these clerks, adhered to the teachings of the Pharisees and shared in their outward extremism. And so they were, they, and their legalism. All right? You know, all the, the, the laws that they put down and plus what they added to it. With the chief priests, Sadducees, and Pharisees, the scribes composed the Jewish uh, composed the Jewish aristocracy at the time, and many were members of the Sanhedrin. And so they were just as bad as the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. And so these scribes, okay, uh, um, there was a scribe that came along, and Jesus, and um, one of the Sadducees, okay, one of the religious crowd, okay, was having a debate. There was always getting Jesus. They didn't care about the thing. They just wanted their way to be, to be heard. And so it says, Then one of the scribes came and having heard them, heard, it was a Sadducee, one of the Sadducees, reasoning together. And what they was reasoning about was the resurrection. Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. There was no resurrection. So Jesus was telling him, well, that's not true. And then he began to talk to him and tell him uh, the truth about the resurrection. And so the scribe comes along and uh, listens to Jesus and, and, and one of the Sadducees talk and, uh, and, and debate. And so he's listening to him. And finally, when he, when he could, and while he was standing there, the Bible said he was perceiving the answer to him well. And then he asked the question. Now, whether he was trying to catch Jesus or not, or whether he was sincere, the Bible doesn't really say. 
says, then he goes on to say, well, which is the first commandment of all? I mean, he completely changed the subject. There was an argument about the resurrection. <laughs> this, Sadducee, this, this scribe said, well, what's the first commandment? Evidently, maybe thinking to catch Jesus off guard. And Jesus answered him, first, the first of all commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Then he goes on to say, the 30th verse, And you shall love the one that I just told you about, Jesus, the one, the one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Notice the word love. All your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like it. It is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now that statement that Jesus said about love went right into the heart of the Sadducee and also Pharisees and the scribe. Because all they were was outward show. And Jesus went right to the point. And he says, what you are lacking, guys, is love. Not worried about who's going to rise from the dead. And we're not really worried about which commandment is the greatest. This is what I'm telling you. The first commandment. And then down in Matthew... Matthew quoted this in Matthew twenty-two forty. He said, Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. In other words, what I was just saying, everything that's written, every law that you have, everything that you have transcribed and added hangs on love. Loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor. So the fruit of the Spirit is love and the graces of patience and kindness and goodness and all of this comes out and comes forth from love and begin to manifest to the people the thing that the people know this morning, you've heard me say this before about the disciples, is how they love. It wasn't the miracles. They came for the miracles, but they were just taken because most of the Jewish people who were in the religious uh, um, synagogue and belief did not know love. If they walked too much on the Sabbath, a Pharisee would come and say, you've gone too far, you've sinned, you're under a curse. No compassion. Maybe that guy had just been out and been working and wanted to get home to his family and realized that the Sabbath had just begun, but he was so tired and maybe he had a few groceries. I don't know. And the guy was walking, so he took three steps on the Sabbath and he was condemned for it. The Pharisees condemned Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, my God, people, you take care of your jackass better than you do you. Your donkey. He said, and if one of your, your animals falls in a hole, he said, you'd get them out. He says, and this is a child of Abraham. 
and you're upset because I healed him on the Sabbath? He was always after them because of their lack of love. Saints, what I am teaching this today for and the graces of the fruit of the Spirit is that when we begin to walk under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when we begin to go out into the highways and byways, let us be compelled by love. When we see that person is walking with a limp, we just don't want to do it so that we can manifest what we learned on Wednesday night. We do it because of compassion. And let me tell you, when we do it with compassion and we do it with love, God will bring into vogue that which you've learned on Wednesdays and that which we've been teaching and perform a miracle for you and for the person because he sees your love. If one would love God and love his neighbor as himself, this covers everything. Covers all your mistakes. Covers all your failures. Now that doesn't mean because I love I can sin the way I want to. But God will have compassion on you. If you have compassion on those around you, he'll have compassion on you when you fall down. Because let me tell you one thing. God loves you. He sees you when you're right. He sees you when you're wrong. He sees you when you're down. He sees you when you're happy. He sees you when you're blessed with abundance and he sees you when you don't have a penny. And he loves you just the same. I told you about the time I went to church. I hadn't really lived good that day, that week. I was a teenager. I wasn't really, you know, living for God quite good. Went to a church, went to a service. God did not send someone to me and rebuke me. God did not send someone and reveal my sin. The Spirit of God was moving like it was today. I just up and felt the presence of God and just lift my hand. I didn't deserve it. I shouldn't have been blessed. Threw up my hands and began to worship God. And all of a sudden, I found myself dancing all over that church. I danced all over that church. Why did God do it? Because he loved me and what he was saying to me. Now, God don't always do that. But that particular time, he saw this dumb teenage boy, didn't know any better, and if he knew better, didn't give heed anyway, and he said, I'm going to show him. Does he want that? More than this. And I'm going to bless him, and I'm going to bless his socks off, so he will realize the fact that what I just did is better than what he just did. That's love. Love don't want to retaliate. We'll get into that. So, if one would love God and love his neighbor as himself, this would cover everything. All the commandments of the law, and Jesus said, and prophets would be fulfilled through love. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. When the Spirit fully controls the life of a believer, he produces all these graces contained in Galatians 5, 22. See that? It says stop. 
How many want to love? I want to love like Jesus loves. How many fulfill all the graces? How many do it? Neither do I. I don't either. There are times I fail miserably. But there's one good thing about it. If you have a heart after God, you can go to him and say, God, would you please help me? How many has got frustrated and threw something? Huh? I never have. And immediately times, I turn around and say, God, forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. Help me. Help me. How many, I'm not asking for hands, that there's one thing that just irks you to no end. And every time it occurs, it just sends you. And you have to go and say, God. Now, what you ask is God to forgive you, not that you can do it again. Say, God, help me in this area so I can manifest that grace like I'm supposed to. I'll tell you this story on myself, and then we'll, we'll stop. I'll quit. Go home. How many are hungry? <laughs> Pastor Russell, the first one put up his hand. He's on my board. Now I'll have to go ask and ask forgiveness because I don't want to love him right now. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Amen. I was working in the old church and, the, and I was just learning the computer and everything else and learning the, uh, the, you know, to uh, copy paper. And I didn't know how to really fully, I was all by myself, didn't fully. <laughs> how many remember that big office I had there? And I had a stack of paper, you know, it was in the thing. And I... Started to run this thing off. And I, I, I don't know what I did. And the paper kept running and running. And my, and my land, I was using up the whole ream. And I'm pressing this, pressing this, pressing this. Finally, I just got, I got, oh, I just got mad. And I just shut the machine down, took the paper. I mean, it was coming out. I took the paper and just threw. <laughs> I'm in that big office. The paper, I mean, the whole ream went everywhere. And I stood there, and I looked at that. I went back to my, I looked around, and I said, good, I'm glad I did it. And I sat down. And immediately, the Lord convicted me. And I sat there in my desk, and I thought, dear God, i got to go pick all this up. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I'm sorry, and please help me to pick this, get this picked up before anybody comes in. <laughs> and I can't remember if anybody come in or not, but I got it picked up. And he did not perform a miracle and pick up that paper for me. I picked it up by myself. And uh, I can't remember when I went to Tim or who it was. I wanted, at that moment, I wanted to do more. I wanted to take that computer and throw it out the window that was right there. I'm glad I didn't, but I wanted to. That was my desire, Pastor Ray. But I, I, I did help myself. So, But God forgave me. And that's the goodness of God. How many wants to love like Jesus loved? I do. I really want to love. How many want to love people like? And there are times, people, when people will irk you, drive you crazy. 
If you've ever worked with people in a store or whatever, can I tell you just one more? <laughs> I was working in the sub shop. And this gentleman would come in. I mean, and it was during noon. I mean, it was, the place was packed. It was packed. I mean, it was all on the noon hour and everything else. And I was um, working with, you know, doing the sandwiches and everything else and getting them, you know, taking the orders, going, getting them and coming back. And this one guy came and he stood there. And he said, I want a such and such and such and such. So I went over and I did the, and my boss was standing right there. Went over and I did exactly as he said. I took it back to him. He said, I didn't want those on there. And I said, well, sir, I said, you know, you said you did. I said, well, I'll take them off. So I take it back over, set it down, take off what it was he didn't want, put it back on. I go back over. And here, I mean, I've got people lined up that I'm supposed to be waiting on. And he's taking up all my time. And he goes, well, this and this is wrong. So I'm getting a little... So I said, okay, sir, because my boss was standing right there. And I took it back, and I fixed it the way you're supposed to do it. Took it over the third time. And then he was, and I'm still looking at my line. You know, there was other people that were waiting on people, and my line was sitting there, and they were getting impatient. So I, I took that sandwich. I took, look at him. I walked around and threw it in the wastebasket. And I go, next? He stood there and he looked at me. Marion never said a word. Never said a word. And, and I just, next? And Marion never went over. She never went over. She waited on her customers. That man stood there. Now that wasn't love. So I had to ask God to forgive me. And do I ask the man to forgive me? No, he went on his way after he got his sandwich. Because finally, after the line all got down, she went to him. I didn't. She says, now, may, may I help you, sir? His, his horns were hauled in, and he accepted his sandwich. And then, not the one that was in the wastebasket, but the other one. But I asked the Lord to forgive me. He went on his way. I wasn't really in the mood right at that time to ask him for forgiveness. <laughs> Amen. But God forgive me because I, you know, probably, probably never meet again this side of heaven. But anyway. But at the time, it felt good. <laughs> but I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. So I had to ask God to in increase my love. I don't know what I was supposed to. I guess maybe I was supposed to long suffering. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, how many want to love like Jesus loves? I do too. I don't always fulfill it, but I want to. And I want the gifts and all that to be operated through love. How many wants that? And compassion. Because you know, if we have compassion for people, we'll, we'll be more sensitive to the voice of God. And he can use us even greater. Let's stand.